0: Well, we're so excited about our special guest speaker tonight. You know him, uh, Bill and Judy Hackett. Dr. Hackett and his family are a part of our Victory Church family, and many of you have heard him speak before, so you already know you're in store for a great, great message. We're going to pray over the offering. We're going to pray and ask that God would anoint Dr. Hackett, and then after the song, when he comes up to speak, would you just give him a warm welcome, give him a big hand when he comes up. Will you do it? Good song, huh? My fear doesn't stand a chance when
1: I stand in your love. Yes. That's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Did you ever come across a believer that struggles in the understanding the love of God, maybe in the peace of God, maybe in the grace of God? I've come across believers, and sometimes it's looking at this person in the mirror that I'm one of those guys, that maybe you, you, you get to that place where you're kind of struggling with something and you wonder, is God's grace used up? Have I kind of taxed it to the full? And God's not going to give me any more grace in this situation. As a professor at Southeastern, I often come across young men and even women sometimes that uh, fall into that category. You know, I, I, I've, I've committed this sin and... and um, it's been a habit in my life, and, and now, now I'm doing much better, but all of a sudden, like last week, I fell again. And you know, that's, that's been a repetition, they'll tell me, in their life over and over again. I do good for a while, maybe six months, and then, and then I fall back into it. And I go to God, and I ask for forgiveness and grace, and he's good in that, but uh, I also get this feeling that when I do it again, that maybe, maybe it just God's had enough. And he said, that's it, you know? You've gone too far. I've forgiven you like 250 times, maybe 470, maybe 3,000, and that's it. And they wonder, and sometimes we wonder, have I used up all of God's grace? I've often seen people that when it comes to the peace of God, they're facing some troubles and some difficulties in their life, and they're just wondering, where's God's peace? And where's God's peace in this? It seems like one thing comes across me one, one situation and there's another and then there's another, and, and, then there's another and, and, and I'm losing the peace of God. Where is he to sustain me during this time? Or maybe you, you've come across somebody and maybe even yourself at times that you wonder, you know, can God really love me? I, I, I'm not the best of people and I've failed him so many times. Maybe he's given up on that sort of thing. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, the fact that, that God can show his grace and his, his peace and his, his love to us over and over again. And I want us to know tonight that, that God has benefits that far surpass, far surpass our understanding and imagination. And I want to look at three passages of Scripture that talk about each one of those categories. One, one is going to talk about grace, and one is going to talk about peace, and one is going to talk about love. But... It, the concept that is there and what, what the author is trying to get across to us is that, 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 that grace and that peace of God and that love is far beyond our imagination. In other words, there, there's no limit or no end to what God can give us when it comes to his grace and his peace and his love. First passage I want to look at is it refers to grace and it's written by John in his epistle in John chapter 1. You probably have heard me from this pulpit speak before about John 1:14, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it, it talks about God's grace, and, and it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and uh, we, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. But then verse 15 is kind of parenthesis there because it talks about John the Baptist testifying about Jesus and he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when he said, he had comes after me, he has surpassed me because he has before me. But then, then it goes back to talking about that grace that he talked about in verse 14, in verse 16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace and peace and, and we have all received grace in place of grace already given. That, that's a strange passage. Out of his fullness. Out of the fullness of God, out of the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. In place of grace. It's kind of like this picture of, of, of waves of grace that's coming upon us over and over again. For about 14 years, my wife and I had a, kind of it was planning to be a retirement home, but we eventually sold it. But for 14 years, we had a home in Melbourne Beach. And we, we both like to surf. And I can remember uh, so often uh, leaving Lakeland on a Friday evening after work and, and, and going over to Melbourne Beach and hoping that it was still light out and there's no sharks out in the water and, and getting my surfboard and, and I just wanted to get wet. And sometimes my wife would say, there's really no, there's not, you know, the, wor- the surf's not good this night and so forth. And I said, I just want to get wet. And, and, and there's a process that a surfer goes through when a wave's coming in and it's already broken and the white water's there. If you just sit there, you're gonna get pushed in. So, if a surfer wants to get out past the breaking waves, you do something that's called duck diving underneath. And what you do is, before the, the wave is about two feet in front of you, you push the front of your board down. And once the wave passes over top, you push, kick the back of the board and come up. So basically, the wave is coming in like this, and you go under here, and you come out. And then you wait for the next breaking wave, and you do the same thing. And I picture God's grace of what he's talking about in, in, in John 1.16 as those waves of grace. That there's one wave of grace after another. We, we see Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 struggling with some thorn in his flesh most likely were some persons or persons that were just irritating him because the Bible often talks about thorns in our flesh as people. And you might know some people like that. In fact, you might be one, but hopefully not. All right. I, I fear you're all good people, so that's not you. But you, you might have known somebody who was just kind of irritating, you know, maybe they're coming to your house for Thanksgiving. I don't know. But you know, just that type of person. Maybe it's an uncle, you know, that's kind of weird and, you know, don't know what's going to come out of his mouth and kind of scary at times, but that thorn in the flesh. And Paul says, you know, I, I prayed for this over and over again. And then God revealed to me is, that his grace is sufficient. Now, what, what is Paul saying? He's saying that the, the God's grace is sufficient in all time. Why? It's because there's, we, we never are just existing on one grace, one wave of grace. There's always another wave of grace that God's going to give us in another situation and another wave that's going to come after that. It's like God has an entire ocean full of grace, and it's never going to run dry. There's always going to be one grace after another grace after another grace. And as we come to him, that's never going to run out. God's grace shows us That God is always there for us. So so what do we read in in John 1, 14? It says, out of the fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. You might even say grace in place of grace in place of grace in place of grace. The waves keep coming. Do we realize that? Don't let the enemy deceive us or fool us or, or give us a lie that we have used up all the grace God has for us because that's not true. God's grace is more than sufficient. Why? Because it keeps coming in wave after wave after wave for whatever situation, whatever turmoil, whatever struggle we're going through. God's grace is there. But then there's God's peace. God's peace is there. There is a peace that surpasses our knowledge when we spend time in prayer, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 4-7. to Let me read that. It says, strange thing. I always struggle with this in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends... Or rises above, or is superior to, or surpasses all understanding. Really, the word there is mine. The peace of God that surpasses anything in your mind will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's interesting that it, in Ephesians, he uses this word that peace will guard your hearts and minds. Because in Ephesus, there was a garrison of Roman soldiers. And the, the Christians, the people in Ephesus, would certainly be aware of what it meant to have guards because those Roman soldiers were there. And so Paul uses that to say, hey, you know, we have a, a guard. It's God's peace. It guards us, and it, it keeps us safe, all right, because we have that, that peace in our life that can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I, I have a friend right now whose life is, is, is just kind of struggling right now. His mother has been very ill and she's near death and his mother has been very dear to his life and uh, she's facing death at this point. He's oversees an organization that's going through some trying times and he's responsible for that. And he's wondering just how are we going to go through that because there are some, just some challenges that are facing the organization. So he's not only carried the, 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 the idea that his mother is going to soon pass, but here he is over an organization that's going through some, some challenging times. And then his son recently uh, had an injury, that, that an accident that could possibly affect his son's future. And he just says, you know, I, I, just, I just don't have the peace of God. In me right now, you see. Sometimes we as Christians go through those times. We go through those Job experiences, and, and sometimes we want to just actually listen to Job's wife when she says, "Why don't you just curse God and die?" Why? Because we have no peace. How are we going to respond when we face difficulties and circumstances like that that come upon us, and they come upon us in, in not just one at a time, but in numbers. And then we wonder about that peace. Where is that peace of God? And yet at the same time, probably you and I have met, and I know I have met people that have gone through horrible life situations, people suffering tremendous physical, uh, physical pain, maybe from cancer, maybe from tumors, maybe from, from, from broken bones, maybe paralysis, or maybe just some difficult situations. Maybe there's some racial, relational issues that they're facing. And yet many times I've gone to see them and and maybe in hopes of cheering them up and they have a peace about them that is sustaining them and they end up cheering me up. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever come across somebody that in the midst of it they should, you know, be like Job's wife, say just curse God and die and and, and you're hoping you're going to cheer them up and yet you find in them some sustaining peace and joy in their life. And I, when I've often seen people like that, Christ followers like that, I often wonder, if I was in that situation, would I have that peace that they would have? And I certainly hope I would, to have that sort of peace that sustained them. You know, Max Lucado tells of, of a time, and it might still be going on, I don't know, because I don't have personal relationship with him. But he says that he got to that place where his, his hand caused him pain every time he wrote Every time he would just write a sentence, and the pain went up his arm, even to his shoulder. And every time he wrote a sentence, it would hurt him. And his doctor told him it was probably because he, by longhand, he, wrote, he has written over 37 books. By longhand. And he's, Max has done all the right things. He's gone to the, the therapist and uh, gone to the doctor and he has massages his hand and does all the you know, different PTs at home to work that. Even give up playing golf, you know, hoping that, that something's going to happen. But the pain is still there. And yet Max talks about that time as, as something that God used to work peace in his life. He tells us that... Uh, you know, you know, he has prayers about that. You know, he even stretches his fingers and everything along that line. But he, he, he's, he's thinking, you know, God, this has been my tool to serve you and to minister to others. Shouldn't you fix my hand so I can continue to write and do what I write? And yet the pain has not gone. And how is he doing? Well, these days he prays more than he writes. Not eloquent prayers, but honest ones. Lord, I need your help. Father, heal my hand. My hand is stiff. A- and the discomfort has humbled Max. He's not Max the author. He's now Max the guy whose hand is wearing out. He wants God to heal his hand. And thus far, God has used hand, Max's hand situation to do what? Max says, to heal my heart. So could it be that the thing that we're struggling with at times the pain that we're enduring, the situation that we're going through might be something that God is actually using in our life to cause us to come to him and spend time in his presence and to heal our heart and to teach us new things. Maybe those difficulties are just kind of hurdles that God wants us to jump over to see that his grace and his peace are always there for us. We don't always know why they come, Job never knew why God was was allowing all these things to happen in his life. God never tells him. And yet, he found that in God, he could find peace. He could find grace. And that it was sufficient for him. And God eventually blessed him, never telling the reason that, hey, he was using Job just as a contest with the enemy. Who knows if when we're going through something that God might be using our life to show the enemy how our faith can go strong in situations where everybody else would just curse God and die. God's peace is there to teach us something. And then third, I want to talk about God's love. There's a love from God that surpasses our understanding as well. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 talks about this. It says, I, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love, that surpasses, literally it means to, to throw beyond, that it excels, that so it surpasses our knowledge, our understanding, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And isn't that that kind of interesting? He says that you might be be full to the measure of the fullness of God. Remember John 1.16? That out of his fullness, he gives us grace to place over another grace over another grace. And John wrote that, and here's Paul saying the same thing, that you may be full with the full measure of the fullness of God. The love of God is so great that we will never fully understand it, he says. All eternity, God will be showing more of his grace and more of his peace and more of his love, and it will never go out. There will always be something new and fresh for us to learn about the love of God. It will be a continuous unveiling of his love. Why? Because God far surpasses us. You know, we we look at our galaxy and we wonder, are there more galaxies past that? And more galaxies past that, how big and how wide and deep is God's love? How big and how wide and deep is God? Will we ever fully understand him? Why do these authors talk about this love and this peace that surpasses our understanding, that is beyond our even thinking in our mind? Because that's the God that we serve. I don't think anybody can really say, other than Jesus himself, that we can know God. Not fully. Not fully. Because there's always more of God that he wants to show us, more of his grace and more of his peace and more of his love. Every single day throughout all eternity. Wow. That's the God that we serve. And that, that truth is what the enemy wants to steal and rob from us, that we come to the limit of that grace or we come to the limit of that peace or we come to the limit of that love. And God is saying, no way, it's never going to happen. Paul writes in Romans 8, who can separate us from the love of God? Can principalities or powers? No. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Wow. He's an awesome and unbelievable God. In fact, in the verses that follow that in verses 20 and 21, what does he say in Ephesians? There's a God that is able to do immeasurably more than we can even think or imagine. Can even think or imagine. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, superabundantly more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power, that is a work in us. Paul says to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. What a doxology he gives at that point. And this is only right in the middle of his letter to the church at Ephesus. How great is God's love? Think of God's abundance. We read a, the story of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men, plus women and children. He, his, he tells his disciples, you know, they, they can't go home, they'll be tired and be, they'll be worn out. Well, how can we feed them, they ask? How can we do this? There's not enough money. How can we do this? And one probably jokingly or maybe even mockingly said, well, there's one small boy here that has five loaves and two fishes. That's all Jesus needs. And so they feed them, and they're left full. And then they gather up the pieces, and what happens? They find 12 baskets full of pieces. Where did that come from? Later, we see that, again, he's with the crowd, and again, they're, they're exhausted and so forth. And, and so there's 4,000 men now, plus women and children. And they say, well, now we have seven loaves. And then Mark pours out, and a few small fishes, not grouper, you know, tiny little minnows here. And what does he say? Let's feed them. And what do they do? At the end, they pick up seven baskets full. Seven. Seven. Baskets full of food. What is Jesus trying to say? I can take a little and cause abundance here. What do you think he does with his grace and his peace and his love? It's there in abundance for us. More than we will ever need. There will be stuff left over from what we need. Because he supplies all his needs according to his what? His riches in glory. They're there for us, his children. That's the immeasurable great God that we serve. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, only the humble believe that God is so free and marvelous that he does wonders where people despair and that he he takes what is little and lowly and makes it marvelous. Isn't that what he did with the 5,000 and the 4,000? That's what God does for us. He provides an example of his grace and peace and love more than we can ever think or imagine. God has benefits for us that surpass our understanding. I noticed, too, just going back to that, that passage in Philippians, it says that when you have needs, you know, present them to God with prayer and petition. But then what does he add? With thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving week. With thanksgiving. Isn't that the hard part? I can come to God with my prayers and petitions, but there's a whole other challenge to do it with thanksgiving. I, I hope this week, Thanksgiving week, we take the time to just be thankful to God and to express that thankfulness to Him. And again, we, we might not be in the best of places. We must, might be going through some troubles that you know maybe I indicated that other people are going through or, or my dear friend who's struggling with some things. Maybe we're going through those times. And probably the hardest things is to express it with thanksgiving. But that's the challenge because I believe that when we finally get to that place where we're even thanking God for our circumstances because he's using them to grow us and understand how great and marvelous he is, how his love for us and his peace for us and his grace for us is is infathomable and it's far beyond that we will ever use it up. It will always flow in wave after wave after wave. And I think part of the key is to make those prayer requests with prayer and petition, but also with thanksgiving. God, you're a good God, and I thank you for life. I thank you for the life that I have breath. Some people say to me, say, Bill, it's good to see you. My response is, it's much better to be seen than viewed. But even when I'm viewed, I'll be in a better place because I will be with him. Max Locato tells of a a time when his father, because of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, was losing it. And he said, you know, he never lost his joy in the Lord. And one time a friend came over and brought his little daughter there. And she spent time while Max's dad was in bed in his last days. And she said, are you worried about death? He said, no, because I'm going to see the face of Jesus. I'm going to see the face of Jesus. There's hope beyond the grave. Why? Because that's the God that we serve. So, Father, we pray as we we go through times like this, that we know that you have benefits for us that surpass our understanding. And Lord, every time something thwarts our plans and our desires, perhaps we should use that to remind or to communicate with you, to come to you because of the benefits that you have for us. God, thank you for prayer. What a benefit. But Lord, let us be grateful even when we have disappointments or trials or struggles Let us be thankful in those situations too and we will present them to you asking you like Max did hey Lord heal my hand or heal my situation but Lord we know that we come to you who's a gracious God who loves us more than we can ever think or imagine whose peace is there that is beyond our understanding who gives us wave after wave of grace Lord we thank you for the God that you are Help us always to practice this discipline of prayer as we come to you. It's only, only in you that we find hope and peace and love and grace. Thank you, Lord. Maybe tonight as you're here, you're just going through something and you say, Bill, I'd like you to pray for me. I don't want to embarrass you, but if that's you, just put your hand up just so I know. And I see some hands going up. One, two, three, four. In the back, I see those hands. Father, Maybe this word tonight was just for these that are struggling with something difficult, something far beyond why. We don't even know why it's there, but Lord, I pray by your Spirit, you will enable them to just fully understand as much as we can as a human being. Help us to understand your grace and your peace and love. Even though it's beyond our understanding, give us a new fresh look tonight and comfort these, your children these that are coming to you in prayer saying, God, help me in this situation. Father, I petition you. And Lord, I'm going to give you thanks just because of who you are and that you're there to listen to me in comfort. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As I close, you have leaders up here that are more than happy to pray with you as the worship team leads us in song. And I think you know how we usually do things here on the Sunday night. So if there's something that you just want to you know, share and have a, a real-life person in the flesh pray for you. They're here for you. So I want not you stand with me as we have this last time of worship with God.
0: it's certainly not too late for you to come and allow somebody around this altar to pray for you God loves you you heard Bill talk about that tonight God is extending incredible waves of grace into our life and God wants you before you leave this place tonight to have that kind of peace he was talking about a peace that passes all understanding so if you're like I know I should have gone to the altar and have somebody pray with me but I've not done that yet it's not too late and the team is going to go through that for just another moment. And this is your opportunity to step out and let somebody pray with you, let somebody agree with you, and believe that God is going to answer that prayer, that God is going to give you peace. So they're going to sing it for just another moment, and then we'll come back and close this out. God, we thank you for bringing us back to your house tonight to be reminded of your love that is amazing in every way. God, and nothing can separate us from that love. Thank you for your grace, Father. Every one of us standing in this place tonight, we're just thankful for your grace. And it's like you send new waves of grace to us every single day according to your word. God, as we leave this place tonight, let us know that we can leave with your peace. God, thank you. You are the Prince of Peace, and you place it into our lives. And Father, we just thank you for that. And we just pray that you'll be with us this week. As Bill mentioned, help us to be thankful, not just on Thursday, but throughout this week. We ask you to bring us back to this place on Wednesday night so that we can celebrate how great you are and how worthy you are to be praised. How worthy are you of our gratefulness, God. We ask all these things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you let Bill know how much you appreciated the message tonight? Would you do that? Well, it's been a great day at Victory Church, and we're so glad you've been a part of that. Have a great week. And don't forget, meet us right back here Wednesday night for a one-hour service, 630 Wednesday night. God bless you, everybody. We love you.
2: Sing it one more time. Sing you one.